2: the around the nfl podcast does not believe in zach mettenberger
3: welcome back to another edition of the around the nfl podcast my name is dan Hansis, and i am joined by room filled with heroes mark Sessler, chris wessling and greg rosenthal what's up boys hey dan what did zach mettenberger ever do
4: i don't like that blanket statement
5: guy literally
3: probably buried on the bench for the next 12 years
4: Stop yelling at me, Dan. What are you, uh, Trent Dilfer? No. <laughs> Screaming at me.
3: Trent Dilfer does yell a lot on that show. Uh, one of our editors downstairs led him to conclude that Dilfer was on some type of MDMA type drug. Uh, I don't think so. but drug.
6: I'm not saying he was. Um, so, he probably just had a producer in his ear telling him to be excited for the show.
4: So if you guys are out there, if anyone has a blog, you can write... NFL Network, NFL host, colon, Trent Dilfer on drugs.
3: <laughs> All right. I don't care about anything. Um, <laughs> hey, by the way, one other thing, since we're mentioning it, um, best part, well, Chris Berman we get once a year over at ESPN uh, calling him. We called the late game uh, between the Niners and Vikings. The best part is when Dilfer tried to roll in some fantasy talk, and Berman, obviously now 66 years old or whatever, and doesn't want to hear it, uh, mutters... I thought fantasy after midnight took a break. It's like, what? Well, doesn't make sense.
6: <laughs> Before or after he called the stadium the big bell bottom. Well, he did that like 14 times. That's terrible.
5: So after, <laughs> in between.
6: All right. So, yes. that And that's
3: a little teaser, if you will, Greg Rosenthal, to uh, the top of our show today where we're going to get into a little Monday night football, a double dip, uh, the San Francisco 49ers and the Vikings, and then the early game, of course, the Eagles and the Falcons from the raucous Georgia Dome. Mm. Uh, Truly
4: raucous this time. Yeah, but raucous with Eagles fans. We'll talk to Connor Orr too about that as well.
3: Yes, Connor Orr, who we're going to get on the phone and talk about some stuff with, including his trip down uh, to A Town. Uh, a Town? Listen, <laughs> that is.
6: I, I was in Georgia for eight years, never heard anyone call it A Town.
3: Apparently, you've <laughs> never met a man named Usher. Mmm. remember the 2003 single yeah exclamation point
6: no i remember (laughs) the seven o'clock on the dot i'm in my drop top
3: wow was that was that the first
6: rap song ever that you're reciting right now it's not even really a rap song (laughs) what is it what is seven o'clock at the drop at the rap top seven o'clock on the dot (laughs) i'm in my drop top that's like 90s usher
4: sounds like a like a manhattan musical it, one of the biggest upsets ever is that Wes is only saying like two different songs on this show, and that's that you've done that one at least twice.
6: Well, also one of the biggest upsets ever is that I know hip hop better than you three apparently because no, that's you don't know that true. song.
4: That's not true.
6: I guess so.
5: It's true of me. I don't care less.
6: Um, all right, so we have a very
3: nice show today. Very nice show. Our Tuesday audio only show. We will be getting into those Monday night games. We'll also touch on some news that's come down. Since uh, Sunday's games, we will hit a preview of Thursday night, a big showdown between who, Mark?
5: The Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs.
3: Very good, Mark. On fire. No, no,
5: here's the thing: people can't see this, but behind us, all I'm looking is at the Dave Damashek show crawl Mm. going behind you. You know, and it's creating a
3: weird vibe. I was thinking the same thing, and I know that. This is not a video show today, but you have the Sheck Show crawling behind us over our shoulders. And then you have a keyboard, a video keyboard over on the big screen. And it's like, you know, we're not divas or anything. It's blowing me off. It's Yeah, the you quality. You guys are and total stuff.
4: divas. What
3: are you oh, thinking? now they're moving to oh, the us. sticks. Oh, just us. If it's going, I'm moving the sticks. I'm out of here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a producer ill Yeah, so we'll hit the Thursday night preview. We'll get Connor Orr on the phone. Uh, So that is a a jam-packed show on a Tuesday. And uh, before we get to any of that, we will check behind the glass. It is uh, Irishman Tuesdays. Brandon McGinnis, how are you, buddy? Feels good.
2: Uh, I'm (laughs) upset that I couldn't put the right Move the Sticks logo up. Mm. But you know what? It's just a little subtle shot just to, to you guys to plug the YouTube channel uh, everything that uh, because That's everyone true. Watching everyone would watch Move the stage. you, have, you failed legs. us
3: with some of the background visuals today but you're absolutely <laughs> right uh, we have two shows a week on YouTube at YouTube.com if you've never heard of the website it's been around since about you know the mid-aughts very popular with the kids uh, you go to the NFL channel and we have our, our own playlist right Greg? we do check it out Greg barely invested right now.
4: We're we're putting. Dan <laughs> that- attempted to find this yesterday, and he's. Stronger. I'm trying to contact Connor to let him know he's on the show. So no, I've gonna- already talked okay, to him. we're, we're all set up. We're good. Did Everything
6: you- is under control except for the video boards. Do you guys know that a bartender at a local establishment just sent us all invitations for a free lunch today?
3: Well, that's where we're going after this, then. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, let's let's just get to the games on Monday night. A double dip, as I said. Greg loves the double dips on Monday night to start week one. We only get one of these a year, and we got two nice games, one very close game, one game not as close but still uh, interesting, uh, so that's good. And we'll start in Atlanta where the Falcons uh, jumped out to a big lead over the Philadelphia Eagles, a 23-halftime lead, and then held on for dear life, actually fell behind, got a go-ahead field goal, and then the defense of the Falcons makes a stop, on the Eagles an interception of Sam Bradford to end it a 26-24 win for the Falcons and your boy Mr. Quinn's debut right Mark Sessler That's his boy I thought Chip yeah. Kelly was boy Well, well Mark, Mark loves fan coordinators fan. so when a coordinator gets promoted yeah it's it's like one of his well games.
5: we no, wesley and i both had time to talk with dan quinn at multiple Super Bowls. humble I brag think that well, all right so it's part of our job
3: okay
6: okay <laughs>
5: just you know doing what our job is Keep and running. we both came away calling him the, the coach that we most want to have a beer with if i recall
6: he's a charismatic guy he looks you in the eye seems to genuinely care what kind of questions you're asking and how can he help you with an answer and i think this
4: game showed what why you want to hire a coach like that. I think one of the easiest things to do in the NFL to improve your team when you is hire a high-energy, good defensive-minded coach, and that coach immediately improves your bottom five defense to an average group. And, you, and right away, this happens all the time, right away now the Falcons look like an okay team. And it's not like they have great players now, but... It's coaching and it's hustle and it's tackling and it's aggression. And they weren't unbelievable last night on defense, but they did a great job in the first half and they they did enough in the second. I think it's
5: also a reminder that, yes, consistency, which bad teams, I've preached this forever, you want consistency with your coaches and your quarterbacks, but Mike Smith being removed out of the Falcons organization was a plus. They needed to move on. And I think that Dan Quinn has, like you said, brought energy there's clearly buy-in from the defensive side. They were getting after the quarterback in a way they did not last year. Not the entire game, but you saw it for flashes.
6: Outside of Trufant, they don't have stars. They don't have Pro Bowlers on this defense. But I think the thing you noticed the most it was they were faster and more physical. And they had a,
4: a little hint of a pass rush, which they never did last year. It was Schofield, which Schofield could, had a great could game. turn out to be one of the best bargain free agent signings. Uh, The Giants lost out on him at one point. Actually, that was a a year ago. And then the Falcons get him this year. And Vic Beasley, we'll see if he's good, but he he adds a little something. I thought he had some moments last night. In a
3: bad division, and this could be another division where nine wins could win it, the Falcons have a chance. If they have a top 20 defense, forget about top 10, if they're in the top 20 Did anybody notice what Julio Jones is doing yesterday? We all knew this guy's amazing, but how about a reminder that he is in the conversation as the number one wide receiver in football. Just his amazing thing I was really struck by was his amazing body control, his foot control near the boundaries, that touchdown he had at the end of the half. He's incredible, and... And Matt Ryan, and the little weird thing about Matt Ryan is he threw two picks. He could have thrown five in this game. He got away with a lot of bad throws, questionable throws in this game. But at the same time, if you think he's going to play a little cleaner in the future, you, we all like Matt Ryan. A lot a good thrill. throws,
4: too. At least yeah. if but you're going to have that many throws, bad throws, he played very well.
3: It so, was a little more reckless than I expected. But they're going to score points. And if defense is okay, this team could win nine games.
5: Julio Jones. Was my preseason prediction to win. Oh, you did it. 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 Got to get that in there, Greg. Julio Jones had that other play where it got called back for Leonard Hankerson's PI. And he goes down on one hand, regains balance after catching the ball, cuts to the outside, and dances down the sideline. And it gets called back. So there's no replay of it on NFL.com or anything. But it was one of the prettiest plays that I saw all on. All, it had
6: 200 yards on the other day. This is not a new thing. Julio Jones has been one of the best wide receivers in the league since he got in the league. Mm-hmm.
4: We're, we're, no, okay, we gave the Falcons some love. They, they won the game. That's great. Hey, what about your boy, Chip Kelly, Mark uh, Sessler, why it. is he my boy? I don't know. You 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 were the guy who uh, really embraced him. I thought with open the most open arms. He's more this, a laser guy.
1: Uh, yeah, three, I like three years. I like his bit.
4: offshoot, but, but okay. I'll go to the
6: barricades for Chip Kelly. All right, yeah, I love
4: know. I love Chip Kelly too. But this is a game where uh, he should be criticized for how he handled the end of the game. He panicked.
3: Oh come on, yeah. He
4: didn't send his field goal. First of all, he decided to kick a field goal with a shaky kicker who's been struggling uh, to try to take a two-point lead and give the ball back to the Falcons, who had been moving the ball. So I didn't like that decision. Just go for it. They were moving the ball so well. and But his indecision to send them out onto the field very late, Parkey wasn't ready to kick it. At that point, you either got to take a timeout or be decisive. He helped force the kick to be missed, and Chip Kelly being like the guy who's go, 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 being very conservative in a key spot.
5: All right. Well, you're right about that, and that that point taken. I don't think you're going to. Who can argue that? That's that could have been handled differently. But I also think that we all saw sitting there monitoring Twitter during this game, where oh, with them down at twenty to three at halftime, everyone's ready to send Chip Kelly out to see, <laughs> this... you know, restart the organization. You know what? This the way this offense moves. I will never count them out at halftime, no matter. How what about the that? Dr-
3: how about the drive? I think it was their first touchdown drive the second half, where. They keep shooting themselves in the foot over and over again. They get hit with four 10-yard penalties, yeah, I think. The second drive. It the ends up being third. a roughly a 135-yard touchdown drive <laughs> just because they couldn't be. Once right. they got rolling, they couldn't get stopped. And I and just to cycle back to that one point, Chip should have went for it on fourth and one oh, in yeah, the first that's, place. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. And I know we're throwing the Dan Quinn uh, glory boy parade right now, but— Dan Quinn also played that game to lose at the end, giving the ball back to Chip Kelly in the offense, running it three times when mm-hmm. Julio Jones literally can't be covered, and Matt Ryan's your quarterback. So he caught a break that the uh, Eagles' uh, offense ran out of steam on that last drive.
4: I agree. I was stunned that the field goal that the Falcons kicked ended up holding up for that win. You would have you would have never no, guessed yeah, that stunning. at that
6: time. I love, back to Mark's point, it was laughable. I almost shut Twitter off for the first time ever when I was covering a game because it broke the record for hot takes and everybody tripping over themselves to render the preseason completely meaningless, but the first two quarters of the first week mean everything. They're right. all revealing, and that shall be what happens the rest well, of
4: the year. I, I got... I, recommend skipping Twitter during it. I don't read Twitter during games. I send tweets but I don't read it because there's too much going on.
5: I couldn't be more with you. It's it is it, it needs to go away <laughs> entirely at times. And I don't care what's trending. I don't give a flying... It's not ass. so
4: much that I hate it. It's just more that, like, there's not enough time in the... You can't watch the game, and then you said I like sending I, out the stuff. I like looking at the box score and everything, but I end up not checking at all on Sundays.
3: Or in a time when done. society is starting to run low on communal experiences, gentlemen, mm. I like that Twitter allows me to be watching the game with thousands of people at the same time and sharing in these takes. I'm on the other side. Well, all
5: right. But, I mean, but, don't you find that most of the people tweeting you would not want to be in oh, the sure. community with?
3: Before? Well, yeah. I mean, but I follow much uh, fewer people than any of you guys, I think, because I like to keep out oh, all the hot takers. Well, maybe. Maybe I'm a Quick take atheist. on
6: the Eagles here. The sky isn't falling on them, but two two red flags for me. You pay Byron Maxwell $2 million a year and Julio Jones dog-glocked him all around the field all night. Yeah, and Demarco Murray. It's the December Demarco Murray. He's slow. He did. Look he's slow really in a couple slow. Of
4: they. It's amazing that Murray and Matthews both were big factors as receivers, and they had thirteen yards rushing. Spr-
3: Sproles was their best
4: Murray, I
6: guess Murray wasn't a huge lip Murray averaged like one yard per touch. Right. He, well, he they, had a bunch of catches. Matthews
5: and, and wasn't much catch. better, but they, they had 13 yards and three touchdowns. Two I, of them on the ground. I
4: don't know if it's just bad luck, but Sam Bradford has got to stop taking big hits. Between the preseason games and this game, he has taken about eight gigantic shots, and he's held up well, and he's been, I think, courageous under his well, not fire. a great
6: game by that offensive line. You no. let Evan Mathis go. You got a couple of injuries. And Bradford was up and down, a great also,
4: second half,
3: but a little up and you down. You never trust the box score because he threw the interception at the end of the game, but Jordan Matthews, who had ten catches, by the way, went right through his fingers to kill that
6: drive. So, I thought Matthews was the best offensive player. Yeah, he was very good. Well, scrolls too. Game. Yeah. The, the Falcons, Falcons team is the Falcons be are fun very fortunate it. to every win.
5: Every game games. should be in primetime right. because it seems to change everything.
3: <laughs> wow.
5: I really I know I would love to see just two or three primetime games every night, as Greg has suggested, have football all night all week long and night games have a different energy, even if the that score isn't like
3: good. A, that seems like a bit much.
6: Well, let's turn that's to Sundays. We,
3: football Sundays?
6: Eh. Let's turn to a game that had a very weird energy. Nice transition. Right. Wow, look at what's that? his first transition, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Woo! That's my
3: second. I won like
6: a year and a half ago
3: in Santa Clara, which is the uh, home of the big bell bottom. That's what they call the stadium. <laughs> That's what certain people call That's the what stadium. That's Santa Clara was. That's what on one five.
6: septuagenarian calls the stadium. <laughs> Carlos Hyde went off
3: for the San Francisco 49ers running for 168 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, leading the 49ers to a surprisingly easy 20-3 win over the Minnesota Vikings in Ch- Jim Thompson's debut. And Chris Wessling, I think, um, maybe an apology is too strong, but perhaps the football cognoscenti, cognoscenti <laughs> owes uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, I will say it, an apology for burying them. Then they go out, and everybody's preseason darling, the Vikings, make them look like stiffs.
6: I think it's somewhere between we owe them an apology and let's not overreact to week one too much. They outcoached the Vikings coaching staff severely. Eric Mangini was in Teddy Bridgewater's head all night. Uh, Jeep Christ got really creative on offense. Um, And Tom Sola, I mean, what's not to like about that guy? I love him. He's, like, extremely flawed but oddly fascinating.
4: Our our friend, handsome Hank, uh, Henry Hodgson, he pointed out everyone is giving so much credit to Mangini, starting with uh, Mark, who just loves having the man genius back in his life. I'll get into to it. have a, an ex-Browns uh, coach that is a coordinator, that's basically the sweet spot for <laughs> Sessler love. Uh, and Jeep Chris giving a lot of credit, but no one's given you know, no one was like, yeah, maybe it's Tom Sula that really brings
5: Wait, it all together.
6: Wait, I didn't see any uh, great hashtag on Twitter last night for Mangini facts. Oh, Tom Sula Sula Facts Facts was a brilliant hashtag last night on Twitter.
5: But, but, you know, yes, they outcoached the Vikings. But if anyone said that Zimmer and Norv Turner were going to get outcoached by Jeep Christ, Eric Mangini, and Tom Sula, because we all like Tom Sula now, but let's acknowledge the fact that four or five months ago, when he was rolled out in front of reporters, we called him a joke.
4: No, we, he, we thought he, he, wasn't
5: like it, the his way he, he was his press all right. conference. Press was That's shook. fine, but the, I guess the point is sometimes, because one thing Hank did say to us is you got to understand that behind the scenes, this guy's a different dude. He's all footballers. Players love him. It's week one. We don't want to overreact, but this thing could have gone completely different. We
6: have to point out, too, that the 49ers coaches had a huge inherent advantage. Everything was new. What are the Vikings going to study about Jeep Christ, Eric Mangini, and, and Tom Sula? Well, Mangini got a lot of free
4: rushers, and the offense was fine for... San Francisco. We'll talk about Carlos God. Carlos Hyde, but the defense was what won them the game, and what was different than last year, and what was great. And as much as they've lost defensive pieces, they still have a lot of defensive pieces. Antoine Bethea played like an all pro last year. He played like an all pro last night. Navarro Bowman could be one of the very best at his position. Aaron Lynch looks like a oh, player. Oh, Lynch. Aaron, Aaron Brooks is a very good starter. Assuming you know he doesn't do anything that gets them suspended at some point this year. So they have players on defense for Beijing. It's yeah. also the scheme, though, and they took advantage of two things, I think, that Minnesota
5: had going against them. One was injuries along the offensive line. You, you're missing your right tackle, you're missing your center. Secondly, what was the plan with Adrian Peterson? That mm. mystified me. Maybe he's not... We assume he's fully physically ready. He was held out in various stretches. They're using him on third downs in weird ways. At one point, McKinnon had more rushing yards than him and more attempts.
4: I I don't get that. Well, I saw a great stat that um, one of the ESPN.com writers had that Jarek McKinnon and Asiata had more shotgun runs last year than Adrian Peterson had for the five previous years combined. So there is a question of like, how does Adrian Peterson fit in this offense? He's used to, I mean, that's the thing he's most known for, taking that seven-yard you know, sprint and getting the ball at full speed. And you didn't really see a lot of that last night. The couple of times they did do that, he looked pretty good. He had one, month, that was one monster run where he's dragging Niners with him. I just assumed they were worried about overworking him and they just had a 15-play... A 15-touch really? number. I don't know. I don't like think that. that's it at Shut all. Year I, think, off.
6: I think they came in saying, all oh, the 49ers expect us to go heavy Peterson. Let's go Bridgewater early, get him into a groove. And then everything went exactly the opposite of how they wanted it. To
5: but be. if Bridgewater is typically going to be a shotgun quarterback, is that going to... It's
6: a fair question because, wonder. like Greg said, you picture Peterson following Jerome Felton through that hole.
3: What a disappointing start for the Vikings, too, and they're fans and everyone associated with the organization because this was just a really a deflating effort. There was between Peterson not getting out of the gates well and not being used well Bridgewater under fire. Making,
6: I mistakes. thought it was the worst game Bridgewater's played in the NFL. He looked completely oh, I he had lost. One of the
4: worst games any quarterback had last year. Uh, this
6: was a terrible game.
4: This was a bad game. He he had a stretch in the second half where he looked like you would expect him to look. Probably the first
6: and one. still didn't get like into scoring territory.
3: I actually asked a question uh, after the Thursday night, no, the Sunday uh, night games. Uh, did this? Did the Rams win? I am going to get this out. I promise you. The, did the Rams-Seahawks game change how you felt about either team? I'll ask the same thing about this game. Does it change how you feel about the Vikings or the Niners?
6: More the 49ers. Yeah. Um, Kaepernick looked better. He looked improved. The defense looks good. Trent Dilfer
3: was falling over himself with Colin oh, Kaepernick. Was too like, much Trent, calm down, bro. It was one of
4: the greatest 6.3 yards per attempt, 165 yard, no touchdown performances by a quarterback ever, according to Trent Dilfer. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. The defense and the running game were outstanding. If you put that game next to all of Kaepernick's games last year, it was very similar. Let's I'm more see. impressed
5: with Jeep Chris than I am Kaepernick because that offense was more creative than it was last year, and they found a way to attack Minnesota. You know
6: who I'm impressed with? Our, our man Kevin Patrick coming at you, mm. who wrote the Making the Leap piece on Carlos Hyde, and, and right up top, one of the main points, how great of a fit he is for this mm. stretch run, the zone scheme that they brought in with... Um, uh, Forrest Chris Forster I believe and in you your Barry the Ball guy and Carlos Hyde was ex- he was exceptionally decisive, making sharp cuts, and he looks like a great fit for this line.
4: Well, he he's a guy you think has got to be a power back, but he's not really that guy. He has much. More, oh, he's a power back. I mean, he is, but he has much more movement and juice than than a guy you think. So well, Adrian to Peterson's
6: a power back, and he's but got Adrian Peterson to
4: isn't doing that. One closing moves. note: I fed all that information to Patrick. Is that right? That's yeah. good. How about a good good week for making the leap? A lot of our players in this
5: game
6: right, even of yards. Terrible job by Patrick. <laughs> I know,
5: a good job here. absorbing the information that I gave him, and he can answer. Greg this, buried no the balls,
3: time. and he buried the past about making the leap last year, and you're spinning positive. I'm and saying he we had a great,
4: a yeah, lot I'm of it. Did. Even Anthony Barr in this game. Wow, we're we're burying the lead.
6: Wait, here. Bridgewater was one of our top making the leap well, guys. Let's ignore
4: <laughs> that. Uh, let's. We're burying the lead is what we're doing because I think there's a lot of feeling amongst this group after this <laughs> game and Tom Tom mm. Sula about some potential. Team of Around the NFL Buzz for these 49ers. I'm I, not against I, it. I,
5: I, I said last night on Twitter, happily would I do
4: this. Let's I, think about I, it. I give Wes a lot of credit because he's so open-minded. He's ready to do it right now. Let's and just no, make that's not a what
6: I Chris, I Chris I Wrestling. I said I'm willing to consider them, whereas before I wouldn't have believed it. They're um, kind of ugly, attractive in a Juliet Lewis kind of way. Oh, <laughs> wow!
3: <laughs> well, There's just... a nice early '90s reference.
5: They're fun. I can't, I cannot help but root for. Tell Tom me if this Sula, doesn't put me. you over the top.
3: Jim Sula, odd jobs as he worked his way up the coaching ladder: <laughs> medical equipment sales rep, newspaper delivery man. Done
5: that.
3: I like how they didn't call him boy, just so to keep his dignity. <laughs> right. Not a newspaper delivery boy. Night janitor, creepy. Firewood cutter, dangerous. Cleaned floors at a department store. He's like, I see your Kurt Warner stocking the shelves, and I raise you cleaning the floors, the filth with a mop. Food sales rep and doormat salesman. They've <laughs> deli meat salesman. Wow. Well, there you go. That was really a deli meat. A salad. doormat salesman. And now he's coaching the team that everybody thought would be the doormat in the NFC. And what's happening? He's selling them to. They're us. the team all around the NFL. Yeah, Come let's on, society. It. Let's, let's no, do it. You
5: know I'm what? Not ready. I, here's the problem. Last year? Let's go around
3: the room. Yes or no, Greg? Yes. I'm Dan, ready. yes. Mark, yes, we took way no. too much West? time last year. No. Oh Wes, you you know you 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 fell. guys railroaded me into the Chargers last year. No. You would not no, be forgiven for it. We
5: railroaded we... you if so in week. The Cardinals nine. last you year. Got, you made to. me
3: fit.
4: no bull. We boom. wanted the Cardinals. We wanted to do the Cardinals in week three. You didn't. You boom. shot down the. Cardinals I was not the one. The I
6: was not the one person shooting down the Cardinals. Oh, it wasn't no. three against one. Some it was list- three against one on the Chargers. S- some this is back. bull.
4: Some listener, go back check the Cardinals tape.
6: You guys railroaded me into the Chargers against my will, and I went along to be a team. But it was like
4: December when we
5: did that.
3: No, we had all settled on the Cardinals, and you shot it down. That's not true. And then we had to scramble and choose the Chargers. That's, That's how it not played true. out.
4: I don't think who was I was it for the
3: I It's was all on
1: tape.
4: Chargers, I was for a lot of teams. Like, I'd be for the Titans. I would be for the Falcons. Yep. I'd be for the Rams. But I know maybe not everyone would, would agree with that.
3: Irishman, Falcons. let's do some news. I mean, it's emotional, the team around the NFL. <laughs> and this is not, we shouldn't be just putting all this heat on Wes. It's like, I see what Wes is saying too. Let's let's wait maybe a little bit. Let's make sure the Niners don't get a d- bomb dropped on them in week
6: 2. And all of a sudden yeah, If a team happened on a Sunday afternoon you guys wouldn't even consider it.
4: No, that's going to happen though that they're going to lose game. It's not about that. It's just a team that I think I'm going to have fun watching that have a chance to be a little scrappy and that it really imbues the spirit of It's right. about how we see the team and I don't think we all see what that I what this is.
5: Still find
6: Colin Kaepernick to be an exceptionally hard watch at quarterback. Mm. That's fair.
4: Carlos can make.
3: What is ride. that sound?
4: It sounds like they're doing construction outside.
3: Well, if anyone can hear that, that is um, <laughs> someone potentially breaking into the studio. It feels like to there's murder a us.
6: dentist right outside our podcast studio.
3: Yeah, that would be the best case scenario. Okay, let's get into some news. We'll start with some really hard to believe news out of uh, the world of the New York Giants after that crushing Sunday night loss, uh, in which the Giants really had the Cowboys done in. Uh, they had a three point lead and a first and goal from inside the five yard line. They run it twice and then throw a pass out of bounds, settle for a field goal, give the Cowboys a chance to go down the field, and that's what they did. One-point win for the Cowboys. And then Rashad Jennings, the Giants running back, who had those two carries, explained to ESPN's Dan Graziano that as, quote, a running back, it's always hard when they tell you not to score. So Jennings lets it out of the bag that Eli had told him not to score. Eli lost track of the time in the timeout situation. Um, And then Eli on um, WFAN, I believe, owned up to it. He said, I told Rashad not to score. I thought we were on the same page to try to get as close as possible but not get into the end zone. I was wrong with that. And then Tom Coughlin later, with the cat out of the bag, and I'm sure that organization is upset with Rashad Jennings, by the way. Uh, Coughlin had this to say, "Eli's, uh, Eli, this has never happened before. I completely trust Eli, always have. So in addition to a crushing loss, uh, that is also an embarrassing situation for the Giants.
4: It's, un, it's hard to really understand, because here's the thing. If they're trying to let you score, let them let you score! You're up by three points! The game is over when you score! I mean, that, that's the thing that's the craziest part about it, is not just that Eli went and said this, is that it makes no sense whatsoever. Now, what happened was timeouts aren't charged if you... I mean, the clock does stop when you decline a penalty under five minutes, and Eli did not know that rule. He probably should know that rule as, as a quarterback. He thought the Cowboys had taken a timeout with 156 left. They had not, and so that's where he messed up the timeouts. But it it makes no sense that you wouldn't try to score there anyways.
6: Scoring a touchdown is never a, never a bad idea. <laughs> I always thought when Peyton Manning started this way back when with Joseph Adai and all that stuff, it was a bad idea because your chances of making a mistake and calculating time are much greater than being burned by scoring an extra touchdown. Well, plus,
4: all of those are when you're, when you're down three or when the game is tied. It's not when you're up three and there's under two, two minutes this, to go. I mean, I guess that should be obvious enough, but winning, going up by 10 ends the game.
3: And historians will note that this is the second time the Giants have failed at this. The first time was in a famous uh, situation, Greg, you might yeah. remember, when they told Ahmad Bradshaw not to go into the end zone against the Patriots at the end of the Super Bowl Forty Six. He fell into the end zone, literally tried to stop his momentum and couldn't. So they were trying to pull it off in the biggest game on the planet. In this case, they get burned trying to do the same thing.
6: Just go into the end zone, NFL players.
3: It's over. It's that, that is a 10-point lead with a minute to play, and the Cowboys have no timeouts. You take your chances there.
4: It's unbelievable how many different ways they screwed up. I mean, because I think calling the pass on third down is just as bad. But it does, it does explain a little... What whatever happened? At least that Tom Coughlin didn't just have a brain seizure. Essentially, right. it basically was well, that like sounds scary. Well. You,
6: you know what, what happens s- here? Your boy Spaggs gets off the hook for that yes. for that drive because everyone's concentrating on this. One. Well, no yeah.
3: shit. Not so Like warm. that's the
5: thing. How about we some self scouting? You know that your defenses could give up eighty yards in roughly seven seconds. <laughs>
6: that's <laughs> what happened.
3: Without Des Bryant. And speaking of Des Bryant, uh, you know he suffered a broken foot in that game. We saw him in his underpants. Uh, celebrating with Cowboys teammates after. Dan's replaying that over and over. After the win, right in his underpants, (laughs) celebrating. Uh, We were told four to six immediately after the game. Weeks was the timetable. Now we're hearing that it could be eight weeks. Uh, Then you you have the medical experts out there talking about, oh, it could be eight to 12 weeks. Uh, So we don't really know what to hear. But the one thing I'll say, you're not going to see Dez back on the field Probably not by the end of October, even if you're lucky. Dez is going to be gone a while, which is a problem for the Cowboys.
5: Huge loss. I mean, what they had 80 yards in that game running, and that's less than they had in any game last year. Greg pointed that out after, and it's it's. Uh, this is the centerpiece of your offense, is Dez Bryant, and so any team that loses one of your best wide receiver, best wide receivers in the in the entire league.
4: For half the season, potentially, I don't know. You got to read. got to reshuffle. I guy. like all the ex players that are going on and, be, and then acting like doctors. Oh, no, that'll actually be eight to ten weeks. I, I like they know. Like anyone knows with like a broken bone in your foot, comes down yeah. to the individual body.
5: I, mean, I know no
3: he'll be out nine weeks. <laughs> that is the truth.
6: When you hear they were working out names like Hakeem Nix and Nick Toon, mm. ooh, well I, that's rather that's about troublesome. troublesome.
4: Hakeem Nix is a really interesting name because he broke the fifth. Uh, metatarsal bone On his foot In 2012 And I know There's a lot Of other problems That Hakeem Nix Has run into since In terms of, of His attitude But he hasn't been The same
3: player Since that injury
6: it does has had Quite a few injuries Of his own That he's bounced back on right, right.
3: also A different sport But uh, Kevin Durant The Thunder guard uh, Guard forward He's like a stretch three. What a player. What a versatile score. Just deadly, Mark, from all around the perimeter. Yeah, you guys, you guys,
5: it's an excellent scouting report you've issued.
3: He had the same injury last year. Ended up having multiple surgeries. Missed the whole season. So this is a tricky injury. Do not let, I'm saying trade Des Bryant in fantasy if you haven't.
4: I, I still am stuck on this Eli Manning thing. I, I don't know if you guys saw the New York Post cover the $84 million guns. <laughs> And they made a dunce helmet. Mark is squinting very hard because he hasn't had his eyes checked in like seven years.
5: Well, no, I have, and I definitely need glasses, and I'm not wearing. Right, you just choose not to wear them. Greg
3: always loves twisting the knife whenever Eli's involved in a bad situation. I wonder why. Doesn't
6: everyone? We're only human.
3: It does seem. It does seem Eli does attract that. Um, all right. Anything else? Oh!
6: Deshaun Jackson out three to four weeks.
3: Oh, yeah. Let's hit a quick uh, injury report. Deshaun Jackson, that is a significant hamstring strain. Was that another transition by Wes?
6: Yes. If you're Ow!
5: Throwing um, into that host. Ding, ding you, know, you got to watch out, yeah.
3: I know. Deshaun Jackson has a hamstring tr- strain. Could miss up to four okay. weeks. Talked about Dez and uh, Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback that we don't believe in. Uh, <laughs> X-rays came back negative, bruised finger I think he's week to week could play next week but depends on
4: swelling is that a
6: good thing if he plays
4: yeah I mean how depressing would it be for them if you have I mean I like Matt McGloin maybe they can win a game with Matt McGloin but you're with your backup quarterback in week two you're staring at 0 and two unless you can beat who do they play this week Uh, the the Ravens which is a tough tough game it's in Oakland so you could be 0 and two at home to start off the year.
3: Mm. and uh, finally in the news Marshawn Lynch's mom uh, her name is Delisa Lynch. Um, she believes that Seahawks offensive coordinator Darrell Bevel uh, made the right move, uh, giving the ball on fourth and one to uh, her son in Sunday's loss. But she also thinks uh, Be- Bevel should have been S canned after the Super Bowl loss. In a long winding Facebook uh, post, uh, Delisa called Bevel the worst play caller ever. And uh, I'll just read one snippet from her uh, rant. To the smart as media, AZZ Media, who wrote, that's why Marshawn didn't get the ball in the Super Bowl. How many times did Russell get sacked yesterday? Don't worry. I will wait on the answer. Plus, it was totally different at the Super Bowl. The line was better than yesterday. No blocking. And to the
6: offense caller, who should have fired, (laughs) yes, I said it, fired. He is the worst play caller ever. Showing a startling lack of uh, football knowledge, not even understanding the Dave Shula era. Well, mm. she also spells ass AZZ. <laughs> well, she said, I like that they
4: said they, the only reason they called that dumb as play yesterday is to be able to justify. That, see, look at at the Bowl, oh. Like, it was like, oh, hey, on. this isn't going to work.
6: Is that a uh, hot take no. or a conspiracy theory?
4: That's more like a conspiracy theory. And, and he says, most fans have already figured this out, that the Seahawks <laughs> staff loves this play caller Bevel more than a win. Go figure.
5: She and can't stand a guy. They figured this, that out. He's, <laughs> helped, he's helped her son to multiple massive seasons and a lot well, of money. Potentially but a whole Fame. Let's, of let's
4: be honest. That's not an equal relationship. I think Marshawn Lynch has done a lot more to help Daryl Bevel in, in his time in Seattle than Daryl Bevel's Hold helped. on. All right, How so did, what do you- was
6: Marshawn Lynch's that sh- career looking before he landed with Daryl Bevel?
4: I mean, honestly, so she's calling him the
5: worst play caller in the league. Just put your computer down. I like it. I like or your phone. Well, I'm sure days. you like it, but it's not accurate on any level.
3: I yeah, you know, we all love moms, so I get this is all coming from a mom place. She said she's just standing up for a boy. She loves her How team. many
5: moms in this room, if we we all have a mom, yeah. would get on Facebook and go rail against Roger Goodell or not let's my mom, say a more
3: immediate boss? But I have drunk aunts that rail on facebook all the How's time uncle about chuck obama <laughs> and all sorts of different social issues and things of that nature mm.
6: a lot of wine involved that's I probably what happened
3: to sunshine lynch <laughs> sunshine.
6: there is a lot of backstory to your aunts and uncles oh they're great <laughs> uncle chuck your crazy I aunt. love my aunts my aunt brenda my crazy aunt aunt
3: aunt Carrie, and uncle hans i'm not against a putting
5: pie. a wild facebook post out there once in a while i mean i think we've all done it but it's like you know this is this is a little bit absurd.
3: Slightly unhinged. Okay, that's what's happening in the news. Uh, let's now go on and talk about our Thursday night preview, a uh, game, Mark, uh, featuring two teams from the NFL, and those two teams are?
5: The
4: Broncos and the Chiefs, and a massive drilling sound yes. from my left this, ear. This, this game is on NFL Network, Dan.
3: Really? What? Wait, NFL has a network?
4: Yes. We were on it on Monday, on the around... The NFL show.
3: That's know, true. If any of
4: our listeners are out there and you don't watch uh, the Around the NFL show, it's on every day at 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're now, you know, sprinkling in little segments. Where, we're taping for it probably three times a week, something like that. You should be watching it anyways for Andrew Siciliano on Thursdays. I believe it's on at, at 11 a.m. Uh, Perfect Eastern. There if you go. don't have a job.
6: Or as... Or a, you're at work. I never TV. miss it. You guys know I'm not going to endorse something. I never miss it. My TV is always on that. Uh, I DVR'd, of course. I'm a good soldier. And, you know,
3: Drew Siciliano, as TD uh, calls him, only TD calls him, uh, did a nice job on our show last week. So uh, he's the host of that show, as Greg said. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Nice plug, guys. He really did it very well now. But let's get to the Broncos at the Chiefs. And how about, I'll tell you what, this game is fascinating. You got the Chiefs who are coming off a great win uh, on Sunday. And then you have the Broncos, who who knows what to expect. And, uh, again, all eyes are going to be on Peyton Manning to see what he looks like. Uh, Mark, I'll start with you. Um, is there any chance in your mind that the Chiefs are going to blow this game at home? This seems like a winner for the Chiefs on the road in primetime. Well, I don't know uh, At home blow. in primetime. Yeah. There's a chance oh, they yeah. lose. What do you lose. Is a- there any chance? It's in the bag the Chiefs go. are going to win Greg, this.
5: Greg, you go first. No, you go first. Huh? Oh. I mean, there's there's
3: you just it, angered Sessler.
5: No, it's jumping just on
4: like this like, was a crazy question.
5: It's I don't think it's about blowing it. It's they're playing what is potentially a top three, top two defense in the league. The thing, though, about the last Chiefs game is Alex Smith might have played his best game in Kansas City. I thought he looked comfortable. I think he's completely at home in that offense. They're expanding it with Kelsey and Macklin. Uh, and Jamal Charles, so it's not going to be the same Chiefs team that the Broncos have dealt with in recent years.
4: I think he was better that he was aggressive. I don't think he was close to his best game, and I don't think it was that great a game. They didn't score a point in the second half. and they had. 14... I thought he looked as good in the first half yeah. as he has in any game. And they the had Chiefs. 14 points off turnovers, one which was just an eight-yard you know, Jamal Charles play. I, I, he was fine. He looked like a better version of Alex Smith, a little more aggressive, which I think can go a long way with them.
6: I thought last year he didn't trust his arm. It might have been, he just didn't trust his surrounding talent. Mm, and Jeremy Macklin and, and Kelsey, Kelsey has emerged as one of the top four or five pass-catching tight ends in the NFL. It'll be a good matchup Here's, because we think the Broncos might be dethroning the Seahawks as the best I, defense in the NFL. I, miss, I, I misspoke. This is not
3: a, obviously in the bag for the Chiefs, but does, there are two interesting things at play. And I do go back, I do cycle back to the last time I remember seeing the Chiefs in primetime where they dismantled uh, the Patriots that went on to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, a different uh, Patriot team at that point in the season. But it's a tough place to win on the road yes. at night. And then Peyton Manning might be the greatest primetime quarterback ever if you look at his numbers over the years. But we don't know if uh, Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning. So well, unless it's a playoff game. I am. <laughs> okay, well, you know, he's had some nice playoff moments. Tonight. I
6: think we know he's not Peyton Manning. Yeah. Well, you do. I don't. I mean, he's played one game this year. It's not. I'm not even talking about his arm. I'm talking about the fact that he can't move anymore. Right. That to me was the bigger problem. in, in week. When long.
3: did he?
4: When was he ever able to move? You mean just to kind of move within the pocket? Right. To avoid I don't. I
6: think he's immobile now.
4: There was an absurd play where they had him roll out. Yes.
5: That needs to go away completely, he, and they need to pare this plate down to that's, what works.
3: That's for part of this, though. They're figuring out what they can and cannot do, and it could lead to a, a shaky September where they need the defense to carry the way. That's all I'm saying about man. I know, Mark, especially you think I'm being stubborn
6: about this. I just need a few weeks to see what's going on I before I stubborn. render him it's, it's, irrelevant. Would in the NFL. I expect them to
4: improve, right?
6: I expect him to improve, and I think we've been saying for a few years now the key to his game is he has to set his feet when he throws. And it seemed like in Gary Kubiak's offense, there were too many plays where he's being asked to move his feet and throw.
4: Well, the, the Denver offensive line was a huge problem, not recognizing blitzes and giving up a lot of pressure. And the Chiefs defense was what stood out to me in that game as different because I, we kind of forgot. Oh, by the way, Derek Johnson's coming back. It's been a long time since he played and maybe since he was the, one of the better inside linebackers. Like he had a great Week one game. Marcus Peters, their number one draft pick, looks like he's going to be a player. So the secondary's looking better. Justin Houston had a huge game. I mean, I guess now we just expect that. That's a good defense. Yeah, they were in Hoyer's face all day long. And now you're playing what is, you know, an offensive line that's
5: certainly young and doesn't seem to have its act together. That's what I think makes this very interesting.
3: Greg, one of your favorite saucy subplots of the week, Eric Fisher. The former number one overall pick.
5: Greg loves this. Uh, Eric loves you know. Eric loves Eric
3: Fisher. There's buzz in the locker room, I guess, that he asked out of the lineup, knowing on a bum ankle he did not want to face J.J. Watt, and that's leading Kerry to Collins
4: some. Collins moment. Well, kissing buzz. Andy Reid, you know, denies that, but multiple reporters, including the Kansas City Star, say that's exactly what happened, and there's you know teammates weren't happy with him about that. And when they started practicing on Tuesday, he was – He was. it sounds like he might be able to play, but he's no longer the starter. Or he's just not able to play. Either way, it sounds like I think they're going to be possibly moving on from Eric Fisher.
1: What, really? Awesome, mate. What I don't a, know. What an awful Maybe bat. he's just
4: not – he's truly not healthy. That's what Andy Reid's saying. And he's, he's protecting him. It's a short week and everything. But – He's definitely not starting this week because he's not, you know, lining up with the starters. If he's active for this game and not starting that that. Very-
6: have you ever noticed how easy it is to downplay an injury when you're not the one, when it's not your body? <laughs> sure. Right. I've had a high ankle sprain before. I'd have nightmares about facing J.J. Watt on a high oh ankle my God. sprain
3: too. By the way, not to get off track, but I just want to once again throw out the top ten picks of the 2013 NFL Draft. In order, Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, Dion Jordan, Lane Johnson, Zigo Ansa, Ziki, Ziggy, Ziggy, uh, Barkevius Mingo, Jonathan Cooper, Tavon Austin, D. Milner, and Chance Warmack.
5: You have to go down probably Oof. to Sheldon Richardson where you before you find a true Anza. bona fide. fight. is good. Ansa's is good.
4: Not a number one overall pick good, but he's good.
5: If you redo that draft, you pull way more players out of that second. The second round is better than the first round.
3: Yeah, Eifert at 21, that could shape into something nice. But Tavon Austin, to me, is like the poster child of that draft, other than Fisher and Jokel. Um,
6: Wait, Tavon Austin has a play caller who can use him now.
3: Maybe, yeah. Maybe the jury's out. But I remember there were so few, like, exciting players that so much buzz around Austin that the Rams went up and got him and gave up a lot to get him because there just simply wasn't a lot in that draft.
4: Well, this is how bad that draft was. Tavon Austin has a very good chance to be the second best player taken in the top nine. Mm. Because I think...
6: If not he, a big Lane Johnson fan are or... you?
4: I mean, he could be. He could be better than than Lane Johnson. He's got a chance. Number right? one pick would be Le'Veon Bell. We
5: let's um about it there,
3: let's so. pick these. Let's pick this game. At least three of us. No, um, I
4: I picked the Thursday night game.
5: You know, oh, you do pick the. Sure. Oh, thank you. We did it last oh, week. you're gonna bequeath
3: that upon us. Thank you, the boss.
4: If we're going around. It's just a not. Wait, know, hold
3: on. What? You're picking games now?
4: I don't know. I, I did pick. I've picked plenty of games that are just saying, well, we did. We, you didn't think of it last week, and then we just went around and picked it. It's not going to sit out.
3: Mark, who you
6: got? I remember when score, the Chiefs please, were well.
5: playing the Eagles on a night game, and everyone thought the Chiefs were going to get destroyed, sandblasted, and they took care of business. I think this this Chiefs team is going to win this game, and the score is going to be 28-21. to 21.
3: Wes?
6: Until I see Peyton Manning... Uh, play like a quarterback who's not a disadvantage to his team, I'm going to think the Chiefs are a better overall mm. team than the Broncos. So I'm going with the Chiefs. I think this will be – Peyton's in a, in a bad situation here, still learning the offense.
3: Awesome, I think this will be seen as his, the, the nadir of his season, 28-10 Chiefs. Okay, you
4: guys are crazy. The Broncos' defense is the best group in this game to me. I I would definitely take the Broncos. I think this is going to be their coming out party. That was one of the best defensive performances I think you'll see from any team all season, the one they had against the Ravens, where Brandon Marshall and Trevathan being back.
6: Nobody's disagreeing with you about the Broncos. I I just
4: think they're so good on defense that that they're going to take care of business. If only your
6: picks picks count, you could have a hero pick. We're
4: talking two Manning pick sixes here. That's how you get to 28 points if
5: you're the team.
6: Ooh, two. That's generous, of. It could be four. That DeMarcus guy is Ware was awful. Shot
4: out of a cannon.
6: Demarcus Ware looked like he might have the best quarterback
4: goal. duo in the league to leave in Harris. That and they have Wade Phillips, who's the best defensive. Wade Phillips
6: is awesome. Like, I'll give you another like,
3: chance, son of He's bum. Parents. I'll give you another uh, chance, Wes. Go get my lunch. Demarcus Ware and Von Miller versus J.J. I, Watt and Jadavian Clowney. I
6: can't do it because I don't know how anybody ever blocks J.J. Watt. Six I tackles for loss
3: it. on Sunday, tied a career high. All right, behind the glass now. Hey, Brandon, how are you doing, by the way, Irishman?
2: I'm doing quite well, just
4: listening to you guys, you
3: know? <laughs> Excellent. That's it's an how easy job. How much time do you have left with us?
4: Uh, October 1st. Mm. That, that just, <laughs> just for listeners, I that means that. with the company, not, not life. Correct. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, you said how much time it. you have left with us? You're still going to be continuing on, breathing, doing lots of great McGinnis type of things. So.
3: Brandon, do you want to know when you will run out of time period?
4: Um...
3: So sure. I can tell you.
2: Sure, go ahead.
3: You will perish on August 14th, this is dark. 2081.
2: Oh, all right. Now I'm happy I said yes. That's not bad. No,
5: not bad at all.
3: What is that, like 88 or something?
5: No, that shoot. That'll be what, 81? I'll be 89. That means you could it's go do anything. You're not going to die. I'll yeah. sign
3: off on that. Don't 89. take me into the 90s. Bang me out at about eighty-six. Oh, and, uh, put me
4: on a boat and just send me out to sea.
3: <laughs> yeah, shoot some arrows with fire. Don't want to
4: see the nineties. I think you're on dead keep, first. Keep me going. They might invent something that uh, that brings you back by the time. time be, I'm not even sure time. about the age. I lean
3: toward that. You'll be a hideous monster by that age, <laughs> and you won't even have your faculties. I don't care what. Pr- I don't care.
6: Just they'll be. Uh, I've you know, delivered newspapers to some pretty sprightly ninety-eight-year-old women before. Yikes. Good point. All
3: right, can we get uh, Connor Orr on the phone? Because I got to talk to Connor about a couple things. Is that possible? Okay, Connor, are you there? What's going on? There All he right. is, Connor Orr. Did,
4: did you hear Wes just say that he found uh, 98-year-old women attractive? <laughs> <What>? That was nice. <laughs> he said, "Pretty
5: sprightly, pretty sprightly." sprightly. Classic yeah. non-journal yeah, move by Greg, getting the facts wrong.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Connor, would you rather live till 88 or 102? Factoring um, all the things that would come with heading into a uh, century,
2: definitely hundred and two because your burden of like having to be a productive member of society shrinks like That's to fair. The point where you like you can just do anything and and nothing is like you don't get in trouble. So I would. Can you
6: imagine how great Madden will be? <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: true.
5: That's another,
6: That's another transition. That is a nice
3: show. transition. We are going to talk a little Madden because. Uh, Connor, as we know, well, we'll get into it. We'll talk a little bit, But before we do that, we want to touch base with Connor. And for if you, those of you that are thinking a little, uh, are you kidding me is coming up. Uh, no, not today. You know, it'll come a little down the road. We like to hit you with a little surprise on that. Um, but today we're going to talk, first of all, you were in Atlanta uh, for the Monday night game uh, between the Falcons and Eagles. Connor, can you tell us a little bit, I guess not so much about the game. We talked about that at length, although I'm sure you have great hot takes and you could read them at NFL.com. Uh, just what was the scene in Atlanta, the atmosphere, what's going on there? It's such a weird, like,
2: you know, dichotomy now because you have this brand new stadium being built, like, right next door to the Georgia Dome. And the Georgia Dome was electric last night. It was, hmm. and, and now we know that we know for sure that the crowd noise is completely organic. It was all the more impressive that this was this user-generated thing. I mean, these people were screaming their heads off for 60 minutes. Did that minutes. come off
3: and, on TV? Because I didn't, I thought it was noticeable how much louder San Francisco sounded, and I was surprised by that. I
4: thought there was a lot of Eagles fans there. Was that that the case? There was, and uh, one of the great things, like I, I was there on the field
2: at about four o'clock, and it one of my like favorite moments. This guy, they announced that the uh, the stadium was going to open, and about five minutes later, this drunk guy in a faded Brian Dawkins jersey just comes down, first guy into the arena and just does the Eagles chant and screams, and then like Chip Kelly, Jason Peters, and like five Eagles are just staring at him because <laughs> you can hear him at any
4: place in the door. It's incredible. Oh, that's awesome. How was the uh, locker room, Locker rooms after the games?
2: I was surprised, you know, I, it was a little surprising just because I heard that Dan Quinn was such a high energy guy, and coming from like covering Rex Ryan team, the locker room party goes on for hours. Like it's there's music until like midnight for a, for a night game. And you know, for Ten quid, it was it was like a 5 minute party and then, you know, when you got back in it was just like a bunch of guys like, you know, and there's a table of like Suzuka bubblegum and it's very quiet and that's it. And they, you know, they're on to next week. It was pretty impressive.
3: One one of my uh, I guess most cherished memories uh, as a professional was the first time Mark you you were with me first time we, after the Giants beat the Patriots, our first Super Bowl, we went to, and I was told, you know, you go down to the Giants locker room, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get, like, sprayed with champagne, it's going to be crazy. And I remember just being stunned by how almost business like it was. Even after winning the Super Bowl, it's not like how you see maybe on TV and, and baseball or whatever, where you know, they're putting tarps over the lockers and stuff. It's just kind of a different vibe in football.
2: Especially if you... uh well, the
3: year that the Giants beat
2: the Patriots that same season, I accidentally somehow bypassed security and I was in the Patriots locker room like 20 minutes before media was allowed in and I ran in thinking I was late. And was just this breathless, idiot, 22-year-old and a bunch of crying grown men and like oh, it was very, very uncomfortable. Awkward. I, yeah, that was very awkward.
3: Well, you know, speaking of awkward, you love Madden football. Let's talk about that a little bit because we, we're fascinated by Connor, of course, as everyone knows, because he's a 26-year-old man uh, with a mortgage and a fiancé, and he, he has a haunted house that he has to upkeep with yard work and uh, various tasks. <laughs> this is not the type of stuff that most uh, men his age are involved with, but what Connor does to unwind, you, that, that 20-something guy in him is John Madden football. Uh, where you will uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Connor. Sometimes you'll disappear when the in-laws are in town, and you'll you'll th- you'll play a game just to get some <laughs> I don't know uh, angst out of you. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I mean you know so, some men turn to drugs and others turn to John Madden football, and that's uh, that's that's really what I've got at this point. It's uh, it's, it's it's quite <laughs> the vacation from reality. Yeah,
3: and Connor has. Um, shared with us that he doesn't just play like a season of Madden or doesn't play just exhibition games. He likes to play the franchise mode. And I thought would just you know just to end the show today, I just want to talk a little bit about what's going on right now in uh, Connor Orr's Madden existence. Uh, and and I asked Connor to you know give me a quick rundown, uh, maybe something an email form that we could go through a little bit. But if you could just quickly, in the Cliff Notes version, Connor, explain to me first what's happening with your ownership of, surprisingly, the New England Patriots. So I, uh, I was I was given the team. I was the highest bidder uh, because uh,
2: th- in this scenario, it's sort of a dystopian NFL where Roger Goodell has basically imposed the death penalty on the Patriots and. Every member of the organization has been fired and Robert Kraft has been removed as owner. And uh, in addition to that, uh, in order to distract the fan base from kind of this radical surge in power, he's also uh, put every player in the entire league into a fantasy draft and everyone (laughs) needs to reselect their entire roster. So that's kind of all. It's tough. It's what I'm dealing with right now.
3: So if I have this right, basically all the dirt on the Patriots stuck. And it led to this uh, a rash decision or a major landmark decision by the NFL to just reboot the whole machine.
4: Exactly, like essentially, Jay Glazer showed the Spygate tapes.
3: Okay.
2: And, and now, now
3: we're here. This
4: All is right. basically Dan and Connor's fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I like the sound of
5: this.
3: So game. let's let's go down the list real quick. A few bullet points. Um, uh, uh I asked Connor just to send me some you know, the challenges facing this team that he's now running. Uh, So let's do it. Let's let's do some news around the Patriots. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the first bullet, this was sent to me from Connor. Balancing the commissioner's strong desire for a safer and more rule-abiding face of the franchise against the massive disappointment from the fan base that this person ended up being Griff Whalen. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the Colts... Wide receiver, former uh, undrafted free agent. Interesting.
2: So when I was sitting, you know, uh, atop the you know uh, midway through the first round, uh, you know, I I'm trying to I'm trying to not only satisfy Boston's need for plucky whiteness, but Mm. I'm also trying Mm. to kind of placate the commissioner here. So, you know, what more uh, could you ask for than sort of a you know high motor, uh, you know uh, high you know high-efficiency, slot-type receiver.
3: You know? So you build the franchise
4: that's... around... How about Philip yeah. Rivers or someone that can play football better?
2: Well, that's you know, it, true also to Patriot form, and this will kind of come into play down the season, my genius that's involved in this, is that also <laughs> it's necessary in order to run this franchise the right way. There has to be a certain haughtiness towards how mm. late you drafted your yes. quarterback. And so... That, that's definitely going to
3: come into play. See, everything, everything is thought of. Uh, next bullet, distracting the fan base with the installation of a Chip Kelly-esque three-quarterback system that utilizes the strengths of Mike Glennon, Terrell Pryor, and Brad Sorensen without taking the focus <laughs> away from And <Wayland. laughs> not take the focus away from Griff, but you're going to have some deep draft guys and you're going to build around that.
2: Yeah, so I, you know the main concern here is is kind of where the media is going to go with this. Um, I know that you know after studying Chip Kelly, a lot of the fascination will be about what I'm trying to do on the field. Sure, but off the Naturally. field, we're built we'll, we're built around Griff, and this is kind <laughs> of the direction that we're going to go in. He's going to be the face of the of the franchise, but. I don't want him to be upset when, you know, every Monday, you know, there's cameras around Terrell's locker and Brad's locker and, and, and Mike's locker and, you know, not <laughs> as much him. So we're really, you know, it's, it's week one, but it's something that I've, I've got my PR people on. Right, are you sure
6: drugs are not involved in this? <laughs> what is the strength of Brad Sorensen?
4: Well, so, you know,
2: I, I can kind of, it's
4: really quick, really quick can kind of
2: break it down where Terrell Pryor will, Will run all verticals and then just QB sneak. And Mike Glennon will kind of do anything that involves like a rope arm. And then Brad Sorensen is kind of the cerebral nerve center of the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> <he'll>... <laughs> At all points, regardless
4: of what quarterbacks on the field, he will have the microphone and tell me. So, all
3: right, seventh
4: round draft pick of the Chargers in two thousand Southern Utah.
3: You gotta. You gotta admit everything. I to Google there's logic behind that, anything. Uh, next up, uh, you're narrowing down potential relocation spots. So you're leaving the New England region, <laughs> oh, <fuck>. while simultaneously <laughs> avoiding any locations the commissioner feels mm. will make the Patriots franchise suspicious by association. For example, uh, movies like The Town and The Departed, which are eating mm. away at the potential branding efforts. Uh, for the moment, the leading candidates are Orlando, Colum- no. Columbus, Ohio, mm. uh, Portland. Or Houston. Mm. Uh, give which would give the, the town a distinct Jets Giants feel, Connor believes.
6: Houston, Houston I like <laughs> it. We need the oilers back. What about
4: Hartford? Remember when Kraft was gonna move them to Hartford? No one remembers that. Hartford Well I still they need feel something.
2: like I still feel like that sort of New England-y A and B it is. with with the new Whitey Bulger movie coming out, that's just a chance we can't take at this point. <laughs> that's yeah. fair. That's the that's- huge concern for us in Orlando. Is beautiful not only because it's it's Florida, but uh, just a great destination for uh, any potential condo owners. The stadium might be built out of condominiums. We don't know. So. <laughs>
0: Orlando is
6: the armpit yeah. of America. Oh, you got concrete oh, 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 capital oh. of the world. Oh, 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 oh.
5: I think Florida has enough professional
4: football teams, though. That we went to. Connor,
5: question: You've built the entire team around a Caucasian possession receiver to appease New England and Boston. Makes sense, but you're moving them.
1: Yeah, that's well, fair. You know,
2: the the second part of this is is that we believe that Boston, you know, which is such a rational fan base, will follow us. And I think <laughs> wow, that's that is bold. Thing, you know, we're really depending on the even keeled and just uh, you know, kind of straight emotion fans of Boston. So
3: you understand. You're trying to. Business. Your goal is to double dip a, a fan base here. That's interesting. Absolutely. And yeah, finally, I, the last point in this one. You know, this one is interesting. This just shows the attention to detail that Connor is putting into this. He's uh, resetting the price of French fries. Uh, he uses the royal we here. We are currently charging more than 35% of the National Football League. And <laughs> French fries. One even,
2: it's like, this one isn't even, like, funny. Like, I got into, like, I started playing the game, and I got, like, a notification that said, like, there's a problem with how much we're charging for french fries
4: <laughs> like, wait
2: this is true
3: <laughs> this is incredible it's true, yeah so you yeah, so did you lower the prices or you just ride in ride or die with a 35 percent jackup
2: lowered the price of french fries but then sneakily raised the price of peanut
3: soda <laughs> so there you go there is the update on uh connor's new franchise is it remaining the patriots well, uh, you know, at this
2: point, we're going to have, like, kind of a Facebook poll going with fans. But Smart. I'm just saying the Columbus Aviators have a nice ring to them. So.
3: Well, there you heard it here first. The New England Patriots might soon become the, the Columbus Aviators. That, according to NFL Media Insider Connor Orr. Connor, thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, keep us up to date on everything that's going on with the Aviators.
5: You bet, fellas. No problem.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Connor. I go. would
5: read a massive ongoing blog about that, and I would get
4: the minute I got home, I would read updates every day.
3: Greg didn't seem too into that. I don't know.
4: Well, I didn't like how he was destroying uh, the <laughs> Patriots franchise and taking him to Columbus or wherever, Orlando.
6: Orlando, Orlando would be the real. That would be the pits. That's
4: insulting.
6: Oh.
5: I like a dual Houston operation, a city that has no sense of we don't. In no way do we need two two teams in Houston, but let's do it. <laughs>
3: All right, so there you go. That is Connor Orr. We, uh, we are out of time uh, today, so that is it. We, uh, we are, we'll be back, though, however, on Thursday night, early Friday, with our big Thursday night recap uh, and, fr- and Sunday and Monday preview show. Which we all get excited about every week. So, football season is in full swing right here. And we'll talk about some other stuff cooking on Thursday with Wes and Mark. Little teaser there. Until then, this is Dana Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Boss, and Brandon behind the glass. Till then.
5: They stole his innocence. Childlike, but not to suggest innocence or purity.
3: They made a football life about his misery. Control-Alt-Delete. And opened a factory of sadness that never closed. Now, the climate is ripe for revenge. This winter, there's a hurricane coming for anyone who looks in this direction on a Sunday.
5: It'll be an apocalyptic sunset. (laughs) Mark Sessler is Quiet Storm show cannot end fast enough, and I have a sharply worded letter to hand to you, my friend.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower...